recorded live. Friday night Bible study on TalkShoe. Appreciate you guys being there tonight. And we will be in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, tonight, Lord willing. Well, I hope you guys had a good week this past week. And uh, hope you did some going over the text prior to the program tonight. It would uh, I should have recommended that. I should have recommended that you read Acts chapter 18, 19, and 20 because we're basically just going to deal tonight with the first church that's mentioned here in Revelation chapter 2. But, um, Brother Chad, how you doing, man? Very good, Pastor Don. Very good, thanks. That, that's good, brother. That That's blessing to hear. And I hope each and every one of you in the chat room are doing well, doing good as well. Uh, brother Chad, if you would, go ahead and open us in a word of prayer, brother. Sure thing. Heavenly Father, we come to you this evening with humble hearts. We praise you for what you've brought to us, that our bellies are full, and that we have no want of shelter, and that we have clothes on our back. We also ask that you help us, Lord, help us find your forgiveness that you have in us, Lord. For all too often, our sins come back onto us after we've after we've prayed to you, Lord, we, we, need, we need your help to turn all of our sins over to you, Lord. For too many times, sins of the past will come up and, and bother us again, Lord. And we're a faithless nation, as you know, Lord. And we ask for your strength in that. That you help us to think on the things that, that, are, that have virtue and that are worthy of praise. Yes, Lord. Those, those things that are true, those things that are honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report, Lord. Help us focus on these things that we can remove the beam from our eye and not accuse our brother of the moat in his. And Lord, we ask that you fill our Pastor Don with the Holy Spirit, that his teaching be of your will, Lord. And we also ask that for us that are here now and those that download later, that the Holy Spirit fill them as well, Lord, that they may be able to learn from your word on this evening, Lord, that it may edify us, enlighten us, and strengthen us, and help us separate our outward man from our inward man, Lord, for our outward man is a terrible sinner, and help us, help us pray 
help us pray, Lord, every night that we be able to renew our minds for every day in you, Lord, for all things good have come through you and the shedding of your blood for us, for you are the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Yes, Father. In your name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Okay. Revelation chapter 2. Well, folks, in Revelation chapter 1, I went in the introduction. We talked about some stuff. And here in Revelation chapter 2, we're going and we're fixing to get into some of the meat for you, okay? The way Revelation, the book of Revelation, well, I say the book of Revelation, it's actually the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's actually the name of the book. That That's what it's all about. It's the, it's the revelation the Lord Jesus Christ gave to John. But in chapter 2 and chapter 3, there's enough there for you and I to chew on till the Lord comes back. Everybody likes the book of Revelation because of the prophecy that it entails. But the most practical stuff that you and I can glean from this book comes out of chapter 2 and chapter 3, which should make common sense to you because it deals with the church. It deals with the bride of Christ. The church is what it deals with. And in cha- and from, from chapter 1, is separate to itself. Chapter 2 and chapter 3 are separate in a division to itself from the rest of the book of Revelation. And from chapter 4 onward, we're going to see that it takes a totally it takes a totally different turn. There are some things that's not going to be touched upon again until we get to Revelation chapter 19, 20, 21, and 22. But having said that, Brother Chad, I want you to um, read, start in chapter 2, verse 1, and read down to verse 7. And then you can stop when you get to verse 7. Okay, Brother? Okay, Revelation 2. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, and thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Amen. Amen. Okay, folks, what I was going to say a while ago, and it just came to my mind, 
was how this book, how chapter two and chapter three, it it even has divisions within it. Okay, you have certain you've got two churches in chapter two and chapter three that there is no rebuke to. Okay, that would be Smyrna and Philadelphia. You also have two churches amongst these seven churches we're going to go over that has nothing good said about them. So this stuff just, it doesn't happen by chance. The Holy Spirit's trying to show us something, okay? It's up, it's up to us to have ears to hear and eyes to see. Some of us see, will see some stuff that the other people do not see. That's the way, that's the, way the Holy Spirit deals with individuals. You run across people out there, especially dealing with folks on the Internet, that think that anybody can understand anything. Oh, if it's the truth, anybody can get it. That's not the way it works, folks. There, it's, it's, it, uh, each individual in the body of Christ grows in a, at a different speed according to the amount of food they put in. There's no, it's just like a child. You start out a baby and you eat the right kind of food, and you grow at a normal pace, okay? There are certain things that a baby can't eat. Strong meat choked the child to death. In a spiritual sense, metaphorically speaking, the same thing is with a, with a, a child of God. They start out a baby, and they grow. That the, 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 the child, the baby, the child, the young man, and the elders laid out in John. John talks about it in his epistles. In First John, so there's some things here that I'm probably going to say that's going to um, upset some of you if you've got preconceived ideas. Okay, I have totally flip flopped on a lot of the things that I see in the Book of Revelation. That different, it's different the way I look at it now than the way I looked at it years ago. Specifically, having to deal due to having to do with the Jews. Okay. Since I, since I came to the realization of my roots being Israel, then I, I had to change my, um, my thoughts on a lot of stuff, okay? But basic Christian doctrine does not change no matter what. That's one of the problems with our persuasion. They come to the realization that their roots are Israelite. And then they think, well, everything has to be changed. Everything's got to be gotten rid of that had to do with, quote-unquote, Judeo-Christianity. That's just a bunch of crap because the truth's the truth, okay? No matter what. Just because you get a, the Jew mixed up doesn't mean basic salvation's not right. The basic tenets of the Pauline epistles are not right. Inbred that's been taught over 2,000 years, it's ludicrous to think that. It's absolutely stupid, spiritually stupid to think that. That the Lord hadn't used anybody. You don't think the Lord told anybody anything for 2,000 years up until the last 100 years. You think that's what it is. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. And you can look at the fruit and you can tell. You can tell through church history. When the Lord, when the church grew, when it was persecuted, how it grew and flourished, and all the, a lot of the um, early church fathers and everything, how the Lord used them. And that's, the way, and that's what these ch seven churches are going to, they're going to lay out in a linear form 
church history over the last 2,000 years, which is continuing on as we speak until the time of the Gentiles, as Paul talks about in Romans chapter 11 and also in Luke chapter 21, till the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. I've heard so many different ideas about those time of the Gentiles, and I've told you where I stand. I believe when the last member of the bride of Christ, when the, the angels that fell, the third of the angels that fell with Lucifer, are replenished, then that will be the end of the times of the Gentiles. When that is, I do not know. Has it already happened? I don't think so, but hey, a lot of times when it comes to prophecy, and most of the time, we never see it when it's going on until we look back in hindsight. That's the reason the historicist perspective on prophecy has a lot of merit. And you heard me say the other night that on the way they look at prophecy, especially the book of Revelation, they're half right. They're the ones that's got part of it right, okay? And the futurists have their part that's right, but they're half wrong. If you put the two together, according to what I believe, this is my opinion, okay? You put those two together, the two right parts together, and you got the right way to, to, to interpret the book and lay the book out. These churches we're fixing to go through, they lay out church history. They, they not only lay out church history, now I'm talking about an overall view of church history. From the resurrection, from first century up until the present. You can see aspects in each one of these churches we're, just, we're fixing to go through. You can see aspects that's taken place over the last 2,000 years out of each one of these churches. A little bit out of one, a little bit out of the other. As we're going to see, or as we've already seen, if you've paid attention to the wording, each one of these churches, each one of these churches were told that they were supposed to pay attention to all seven letters to the churches. It's not just to one church. It's one. You say take the, church, the, the letter to the church at Ephesus, okay? That letter was supposed to be read not only by Ephesus, but by, by the other six. So, there, so you can take out the things that are, are for one church and apply them to another church. In other words, if the shoe fits, wear it. And the same thing goes, you can break that down in, into individuals. There'll be certain things out of here that'll speak to individuals in the body of Christ that don't speak to other individuals. You can, you, can, you can slice it down to that right there as well. And the Holy Spirit will eventually be the one that, that shows you this stuff and teaches you this stuff, okay? I can just lay it out from my perspective and let the whole, you'll have to let the Holy Spirit, if you're, if you're serious about understanding this book and serious about the Word of God, spend some time in it in prayer, and the Holy Spirit will show you the right things, and if he doesn't give you the answers, just stay at the, stay, keep on praying, and when the time comes, he'll give you the answers on it. Because there's some things in this book I, don't, I still haven't got any answers on. And I'll bring it to your attention when we run across those places. I don't have a problem doing that. All right? But anyway, here we're talking about the church at Ephesus. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus. Right. Okay? This is a lot of commentators. You'll run across a lot of people out there 
that will try to tell you that this angels is just talking about the pastors of the churches. There's a there's a lot of people that believe that this word this word right here should have been translated as just one the the pastor of the church. But the problem with that interpretation, not only is it against the word of God, the way it's been translated in fruit borne out, not only is it against that, but th- many of these early churches had multiple pastors. Okay, so it's not it's it doesn't say and unto the angels plural. It's angel singular. And as I've taught before, and as the, as the Word of God indicates in the Gospels about guardian angels, I believe that each individual assembly, including this one, has an overseer, an angelic overseer. How can you say that? We're on the computer. What does the Word of God say? Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be in the midst also. See? Doesn't have to be in a building. Doesn't have to be have a name. Just has to be bona fide believers coming together for the specific purpose of fellowship and love for the Lord Jesus Christ, a belief in his word, and a desire to know what the book says. You understand that, Brother Chad? Is that simple enough? It is, yes. So, the angel of the church of Ephesus. So, this is the Ephesian church that Paul writes, that has the epistles to. And as we're going to see and going down through here, you're going to start wondering, well, where's all them other churches that Paul wrote to? Where's the church at Colossae, at the Colossian church, or the Philippian church? See? You don't have any of those in here, but these are the ones that the Holy Spirit and the Lord picked out to use. And it's an excellent church to pick out here. Be turning back to uh, to Acts chapter 20, Brother Chad, while I'm talking, okay? Okay. Acts chapter 20, and, we'll, and you can start in verse 17 whenever I finish talking right now, okay? But anyway... You will we'll see that it's it's different churches, and there's a reason. Now, what I said about how these churches, these seven churches, over an overview of church history. If you move, if you took these churches out of order, in other words, if you didn't have the Ephesian church first, and then the way it's laid out to Laodicea, you wouldn't be able to say that there's an overview of church history. If you just took one church out of place, it wouldn't make any sense looking back. At, the, at records of church history that we have today. That's how important these words are. Because you start messing with the words, you start messing with what the Lord intended for us to get. So we're going to deal with the Ephesian church first here, and we'll get a little background. It says here that they found out those that, are apost- that said there were apostles and are not, and found them to be liars, We're going to check out what Paul gives the Ephesian elders in his farewell message to the Ephesian elders here in Acts chapter 20. We're going to start verse 17. And pay attention to this, okay? Pay attention to what he says because you're going to see elements of it here. We're going to see if um, they paid attention to what the Apostle Paul told them. So go ahead, um, Brother Chad. Start reading Acts chapter 20, start verse 17. 
And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have shewed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, that's the, that's the basic message that Paul taught. And he's going to, in just a few minutes, he's going to ta- tell you about that he was preaching the gospel of the grace of God. But this is basically it, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. You want the gospel in a nutshell? That's it. That's it. The saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ in a nutshell. It's, faith, it's repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Continue on, brother. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Okay, stop right there for just a second. Do you people realize what a bold statement that is? Amen. Verse 27, what do you get out of that other than black ink on white paper? (laughs) I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. He's talking to the Ephesian elders. What can you get from that? Don't you think the book of Ephesians is pretty important? The epistle to the Ephesian church? I would say it was pretty important. He's talking to the Ephesian elders, and he says he gave them all the counsel of God. I would I would spend a, quite a bit of time in the book of Ephesians. Wouldn't you say so, Brother Chad? Amen. If you wanted to know the, all the counsel of God, the stu- a lot of the stuff that mattered, I would spend a lot of time in. See that you pay, you listen to the statements that's made, folks. That's a big statement, but that covers a lot of territory. The 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 Epistle to the Ephesian Church is a heavenly book. It taught it it. It references the word love 20 times. We're going to see a little bit more. I'm going to mention a little bit more about that as we get further down in chapter 2 in Revelation. 20 times. 
because the Lord's going to call them, going to call them on the carpet because of that right there. Continue reading, brother. Oh, but anyway, let me say again, I've not shown to declare to you all the counsel of God. Paul's the only apostle that even makes that claim. Why? How can he make that claim? Because he was given revelation that was not given to any other apostle. That's why we've spent so much time in the epistles. It doesn't take a biblical genius, folks, to figure this stuff out if you just believe what you read and take it to heart and apply it. Verse 28, brother. Take heed, therefore, unto yourself and to all the flock over over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Oh, sorry. My computer just went out on me. Let me go. That's okay. To... While you're doing that, I'll make, I've got to make a comment about this anyway, okay? To which I say, Paul says here, take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. All these people that think that elders just make a choice of whether they want to be over a flock or not, this right here should show you the Holy Ghost is the one that does the calling, the gifts and callings of God, Romans 11, chapter 11, are without repentance. God calls his pastor teachers. They don't just make up their mind that they're, that they're going to teach because they've got a little head knowledge. Either the calling's in your life or it's not. And it's the Holy Ghost is the one that does the calling. And if you're spiritually attuned and in fellowship with the Lord, you make that decision. You understand what the will of God is. Now I'm just speaking to maybe a few, Okay. The ones that don't have that particular calling in their life, there's nothing for you to get there. But if there's a little knocking on that spiritual door on the inside of you by the Spirit of God having to do as a pastor teacher, well then you understand what I'm saying. And it's up to you to get yourself equipped to do that. To teach and to preach, but he doesn't. He does not call a novice, and he knows what he's doing when he calls. And that call will be on your life and in your spirit till the day you die. It'll never leave until you fulfill. Until you set about to fulfill what God has called you to do, because they're without, it's without repentance. God does the calling. You accept that call, and you go about to fulfill God's will for your life. And it's the Holy Ghost, the one that does the calling. It's not got anything to do with you making up your mind to do something because you think you're good enough. If that's not the reason the Lord calls you, because you're smart, because you memorize Scripture, because you're so eloquent. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with the Lord's pleasure and Him laying His hand on you for His service. That's what it's about. So, amen, amen, Pastor. And on that, in my personal experience as well, I've 
as I, as we've talked, I've always known that I was I was called, and I, I even used to at one point not even identify as being a Christian, but a member of the body mm-hmm. because there, there was there was a bad flavor about you know Christianity is more about religion than than Christians because now I know you know Christians Amen. are Christians and Amen, brother. That's right. Now, but even knowing that and and, and having a, a slight little bit of feeling that I'm called. It's not until I opened my heart and my mind to the word and, and started learning with you and, and really putting in my extra time that there's this unfolding, like, like the many layers of the onion. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly and, what you're saying, bro. And, and then the feeling grows and, the, and it grows and not in a bad way, but there's, there's a fervor there. There's, you know, it becomes, it becomes, I don't want to say addiction. It's it's fervor. It, you know, that's want. okay to it's say the word addiction because... It's an, a need, you know? Yep. It's a need, you know? In I, the, in I that, understand. In the, in the holy, righteous, best way ever, when you put down the movies and you put down the television and you stop watching the sports, I'm just thinking today, I'm like, man, every single sports organization in this in these nations are run by Jews, Yeah, you know? The the top guys, the commissioners of every sports league, is some hook nosed Jew that's out there, and everybody's booing them every time they're handing out awards and all this stuff. But the point is that it's just that that it's it's this unfolding as 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 you go towards it, and and you and you and you let, like you say, that let that Holy Spirit guide you towards it. You know, knock, open the door. I'm, she's always knocking. Just open the door, and I'll just leave it at that. Hey, I got my computer back up. Okay, good. Um, what Brother Chad's talking about there, I understand every word he said and know exactly what he's talking about. And if if you haven't had the experience, there's no way you could. So don't say you do. Okay? Unless you've went through the steps and the experience, you do, there's no way you could know. There's no way. The will of God for your life, each one of you that I'm speaking to, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, God has a call in your life for something. There's gifts you have that you're intended to use for the betterment of the body of Christ and the bride, folks. If you're not, you're absolutely out of the will of God. It's very easy for me to say that because the Word of God says that. Okay? If the Spirit, I said, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, then you have gifts that the Lord wants to use for the betterment of the body and bride of Christ. It may not be a pastor teacher. It may be an evangelist. Okay? There's many, we went up, when we were in First and Second Corinthians, we went over those callings. But I'll tell you one thing for sure. Unless you're in calling distance, you're not going to hear the call. You say, what are you talking about, Brother Don? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind 
Why did he say all that? Why did he just get through that big mouthful? And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove, see, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you want to know if God's will, for God's will in your life, you want to know what it is? Are you really serious? Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Then you have to pay attention to the first two, the first part of the chapter, chapter twelve in Romans, verse one and two. There has to be an effort toward that to find out that perfect will of God. If there's a good, a perfect, and acceptable will of God for each one of His kids, okay? Because you're not here to have a big, a good old big time and be fat, happy, and sassy and do what you want to do. That's not the reason you were put here. And if that's what you think, that's the way you're living and that's the way you, the reason you think you were put here, then all I got to say is if the Spirit of God does dwell in you, at the judgment seat of Christ, it's going to be a sad, sad day. I didn't say for sin. I'm talking about disobedience to the call. I'm talking about disobedience to the call, which would have brought forth fruits for the Lord. Because, hey folks, he, it's not that he can't live without you. He'll take a step over you and get somebody else. But you don't want to be the one he steps over. Let's put it that way. Because it's a, it's a rocky road. It don't feel good. I can assure you. Running from the Lord is not a fun thing. Because he'll beat the hell out of you until he gets you turned around, headed in the right direction. And if he can't turn you around, he'll take you out. Amen. He'll take you out. That's what the book says. That's not my opinion. How many preachers teach you that? Huh? How many talk to you about that? Or is it all or is it all a bunch of BS? He might just drag you up by your ears up there and leave you naked. Amen, brother. Amen. Give you no choice. I'll take you I'm taking you anyways. I gave, you go, of, I gave you freedom of will. You're coming, but guess what? Your freedom, of, your free will choices are specifically, specifically for your reward and inheritance and your fulfilling of what God's put you here to do. It has nothing to do with calling you for salvation. That's God's will. But your will, is it's it's for your betterment in the end, folks. I, I say it all the time, and I wish you'd put a note over your bed that says eternity's a long time, because it is. And if you're not living your life in the light of the judgment seat of Christ and those rewards and inheritance and eternity, then you're living your life for yourself. It's that simple. You say, well, I don't understand what I'm... Then you better find out. 
You better find you better find out. Well, I'm too old. You're never too old. Not at the call of God's in your life. Continue on verse twenty eight here in Acts, brother. Acts twenty, twenty eight. Take here take heed therefore unto yourself and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Oh, there you find out that God, that the Lord Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh because it was Christ's blood shed, and here it says it's God's blood. Now you know that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. Continue, brother, verse 29. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. This is part of this is where the warning starts that he warned the elders about. Continue on, brother. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Amen. So let's go back over to the book of Revelation. Let's see if the Ephesians paid attention to what Paul said. Let's see how the Lord gives it, what kind of little report card the Lord gives the Ephesian church. Okay, is that uh, verse 8? Revelation. No, 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 no. Just go back. Uh, I want you to come down through there again, brother. Okay. Start at, start at verse, verse 1 and go all the way down to verse 7. Amen. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars. Okay, so it sounds like they've got a pretty good report card going. They hate them that, that say they're apostles and are not, but found them liars. So what you see here is that the Ephesian church is listening to what the Apostle Paul said. They're about their business, proving all things. First Thessalonians 5, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. But for the Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica, for they searched the Scriptures daily to see if those things were so, that they were being taught. So the Ephesians are paying attention. Those elders taught the, their, their members, the flock, to be on guard. Watch out for the deceivers. Watch out for the wolves that come in to set to divide the flock. They did it. They absolutely did it. Then they got they got overwhelmed in it. We're going to see. With this, and it's a good thing. The Lord says here, I know your patience and your labor. Okay, and how thou canst not bear. Them, who, that, them, them which are evil. So they hated sin. They hated sin. It says, could not bear them 
Not the able, the them, the people. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 1 Corinthians 6. He says, Thou cannot bear them. That's the individuals that are evil. And that thou thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not. So people came in. Those wolves came in. Tried to take away the flock. The Ephesian elders stood strong. They they listened, and they they were they were doctrinal purists. All right, that's what they were. And they spent they were they spent their time checking out this stuff. But we're fixing to find out a grand lesson. Verse three, brother. And hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hath not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Oh, there's that. Everything sounded great and wonderful, didn't it? Man, how, <laughs> what else could you ask? But they labored, and they were patient, and they took, They hated them. They hated evil. They hated the ones that were evil. They didn't let the false teachers come in and say, I'm of the Lord, I'm an apostle. No, they tested it according to doctrine in the Word of God and got rid of them. They listened to the Apostle Paul. They were obedient to what he said. Nevertheless, the Lord says, there's that old nevertheless. Continue on, brother, verse 4. I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. In other words, they were so busy being about the king's business, they forgot about the king. Hear what I said? I probably ain't got to worry about that applying to too many folks, but I'm sure it does. With all the downloaders that download this program, if if they're all about business and not about the one that's got you, that you're supposed to love, that puts you in the business, you're in bad shape. See, it's balanced, folks. It's balanced. There was a bunch of folks in uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I think it's chapter 15, verse 16, I think it is. Talks about these folks that were that were um that were in the ministry in Achaia. They addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That's the only time the word addiction, addicted, is in your Bible. And it has to do with a good thing, and it has to do with ministering to the saints of God. It's the only time it appears. It's a one-time occurrence. And it's talking about addiction, addicted in a good sense. That's the reason I told you a while ago, Brother Chev, it's okay to use that word, okay? Amen. I guess that word has been uh, twisted and uh, reversed for someone else's purposes. Well, well, of course. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. But anyway, here we here. We find out that they had lost their first love. Folks, I know all about this. I know all about it. Been there. Done it. Okay? So busy knocking on doors. So busy worried about studying this. So busy worried about witnessing. So worried about going to the nursing home, going to the hospital. Blah, 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 blah. 
that you forget what the Lord's really got you, what what the Lord really wants out of you more than anything. I said what the Lord wants out of you, that's right, you. Wow, you. More than anything. And that's your love. What's the first great commandment? Love the Lord thy God. You can't bait it with a baiting machine, folks. It says here you've left your first because you have thou hast left thy first love. And I've used this this um illustration so many times, some of you folks are probably sick and tired of hearing it. But I'm gonna use it again because it's so true, even though the love's a different kind of love that he's talking about here. But it's just like when you first fall in love, men, you men out there, you first fall in love with a woman, I mean really fall in love, it's like a fog comes over you, okay? And everything about this woman, that's all there is. You live, eat, and breathe the lady, okay? Whatever she likes, you like. (laughs) You may have hated it before, but you like it now. You like the things she likes. You want to do what she wants to do. You want to do this, do that for her. The same way with the Lord. I will never forget it. I, I would, I would, I, that's all I did was try to serve. That's all I did was devour this book. Now, anything, anybody said, this is what the Lord wants, I did it. I didn't find out if it was true, and I just did it. That's that first love. And then after a while, after a while, just like in anything in a marriage, it starts to get a little, um, you start to get a little lackadaisical, you just go through the motions. Because it's just the right thing to do, see. To keep it never, you know, to do right. Yeah, just keep on doing it. You're just going through the motions. That, that um, spark's not there. But yet you're doing the right things, but the heart's not in it. You just do it for the sake of because it's the right thing to do. See what I mean? But see, there's a lot of folks under the sound of my voice that don't even realize, don't even understand the first love. There's a problem. I'd be getting that problem ironed out between you and the Lord. I'd be doing that. That'd be my first priority if you don't know what I'm talking about here. This Ephesian church was busting their butt, doing good works, laboring. They were had patience. They were doing what they were supposed to do. But yet, he, the Lord called them out for their lack of love for him. They weren't balanced. They were too busy about the king's business instead of being concerned about the king. That's the reason Paul makes that statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22, that Brother Don quotes all the time, and some of you folks can't stand it when I quote it. And that's the reason. And I, I understand why there, I have never, I'm going to say, I've never, ever, in 43 years, ever heard Another pastor or teacher quote 
that verse in the context where I'm quoting it now. I've heard them read it and not make a comment. I've heard them read it and make a little offhanded comment. I've never heard them say in the context of this verse, of what we're teaching right now, if any man, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, 22, if any man love not our Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. Paul is flat out cursing anybody that don't love the Lord Jesus Christ. Forty-three years, never heard, and I've heard some. I've been I've said under some of the best Bible teachers in the world. Never heard it quoted in the context I'm talking about, and that's the very context it should be quoted in. Is this context right here? Because thou hast left thy first love. So I've lost it, brother. How do you, you can you get it back? Yes, you can get it back. He's fixing to tell you. See, you thought Revelation was all about prophecy, didn't you? <laughs> Big surprise. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because thou hast left thy first love. First commandment, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, body, and soul. I told you the Ephesian, the, the, the epistle to the Ephesians, 20 times the Apostle Paul uses love. 20 times. He even in Ephesians chapter 5 lays out that scenario of a husband-wife relationship, then tells you it's a great mystery, but he speaks concerning Christ and the church. That's the reason I use the illustration of the man falling in love with a woman as you falling in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Why did I do it? Because the Apostle Paul didn't. It's in the Word of God. That's why. And by the way, it's not agape love. It's phileo love. Folks, hey, it's no sweat of God Almighty's brow if you decide not to do it. This is all for your benefit. It's for our mutual benefit because He loves us unconditionally. You see, our, our way of thinking about love is antithetical compared to God's way of thinking about love. Our, our polar opposites. Okay? He loves us unconditionally. We all, folks, we, we in the fallen state we're in, even though our new man has been born again, that old man is, has no concept of the kind of love that we're supposed to have for the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Love is sometimes hard. You have to work at it, folks. It just don't ploop. It only ploops the first time it happens. The next time, next go around, believe me, you have to work at it. And there will be sacrifice to get back to that first stage again. And you may not ever get back that completely. But the motive, the motive, if you really want it, that's what the Lord looks at is the motive. Because the works at the judgment seat of Christ are judged by motive. Not quantity, quality. Not quantity, quality. He's judged by the motive. And he knows the deep recesses of the heart. And he knows when you're trying to pull a con job on him, okay? Or pull a con job on anybody else. So how do we get this back? Verse 5, brother. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Okay. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Spend a little time thinking about the way it initially was. And then look at everything that's led to the condition you're in today. And repent. And do the first works. And it will take some work to get there. It's not going to poop again. It didn't just come ploop and then ploop away. No, you had to work at it to get it to fade away. Therefore, you're going to have to work at it to get it back. And do the first works. Or else, I will come unto thee, I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove Thy candlestick. And this ain't got nothing to do, folks. It ain't got nothing to do with your salvation. I will remove that candlestick out of his place. Do you know what a candle does? A candle gives forth light. How many times have I used the illustration about all the candles are going out? Because look at the condition our people are in. Because darkness cannot exist when the, when the light is shining bright. Darkness immediately has to withdraw. The Lord said he'll remove that. He'll, he'll remove light, giving light on his book. He'll remove the growth of growing. And you'll be a stagnant, Christian, saved by fire and suffering loss at the judgment seat of Christ. That's not my past. That's what the book says. Read 1 Corinthians 3. Start around verse 11. Read it. One moment. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Motive, that's what sort means. Go ahead, brother. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Amen, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Back to Revelation now. See, I don't make that stuff up, folks. I'd be the, the Lord desires your love. Service is just the opportunity. Our service and obedience to the Lord in our work is just an opportunity that we get because of our salvation and love for Him. An opportunity to prosper. An opportunity to rule over ten cities instead of one or none. Okay. This scripture's got the answer, folks. There, it's laid out. It's laid out. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. It's in the book. I'm telling you the truth. Second Timothy 2.15. Amen. That's what I just quoted, brother. Amen. What I just quoted. Take the candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. So you repent and you repeat. You repent and you do the first works repeat, okay? That's what you do. Don't, don't remember. Yes, you yes, you will go back and do the first works. If you listen. If you, you've had a Christian life, if you've had a any kind of structured Christian life with Christian growth, you understand what I'm talking about. If you have any clue about the Word of God. This is that's that's so important for how see <laughs> Why do I spend so much time on this kind of stuff? Because I care about you. Even though I've never seen you, you're part of my body and I'm part of yours. We're all part of one. We're supposed to be if you believe the book. How can you love your brother, neighbor as yourself if you're not if you don't care about their spiritual condition? And care about them being doing well. Don't you care about your kids doing well? People you love, don't you like to see them do as well as possible? Well, how can you say you do when you could care less what they do? Doing my business. Just run along, Sonny. Don't get hit in the traffic. You bet you you don't even belong here. If that's the way you think. Paul 
Paul puts it this way, one member of the body can't suffer without the rest of the members getting repercussions from it. That's a paraphrase, but that's what he says. Can the eye say to the hand, I have no need of thee? But if one member suffers, do all the members suffer. Why do you think we're in such a shape today, folks? You think going out and voting is going to do something about the body and change your condition? <laughs> Amen, Pastor. And if I might just offer a, a, a small bit of testimony for myself sure. on your teaching. Um, you've You've really struck a chord with me tonight this teaching is you've, you've mentioned the first you've, you've made great example of the first two scriptures that I've committed to heart Romans 12 to 1 Corinthians 16 22 and I to my brethren out there and you've taught it so many times if you love him get to know him and I still remember the, the night that you taught it. I don't know the exact episode. And you pleaded for 10, 15 minutes. Just please spend 30 minutes a night getting to know the word. Hide it in your heart. How much? How better can I get to know the Lord than to learn his word? That's my immediate connection that I have. And I will tell you, how many times in this big, awful northern Babylonian city that I live in that I'm on a streetcar, I'm on a, on a bus, and I'm doing an errand, and 1 Corinthians 10.13 saves me from whatever situation that, that, that I come into, that, he, that, that, that the way to escape is there, and I can bear it. Amen. Because brother. I have that, and I put it in my, in my heart, I put it in my mind, and I recite it until I get it absolutely perfect diction, perfect, perfect English, not one word, not one word wrong, and I will tell you, all my brethren that are listening to my to, to the to, to, can hear my voice. If you would just commit yourself, as Pastor Don has taught, and learn a verse. Sometimes, ten thirteen took me a long time to learn. Not a week, not two weeks, three weeks. I found it very difficult. Now I have it, and my God, you want to talk about. Um, Hebrews, what is it, 412, the sword? Yep. You're, you're out there, and, and, and you're sick, and you're reprobate, and, and reprobate rates around you, and, and, and everything's... Marine and I were just talking about this today. We, we, were, we were outside, and we were talking about the Lord, and we were talking about uh, the revealing, the veil being lifted from our eyes, and just how we've changed in the last six months. And it just it occurred to me, this... The world around me that I hate so much, that is just so awful and disgusting. Just imagine what that must look to God. I know we can't, and, and I don't want to pretend that we can, but just imagine how that must look to him. Just a bunch of zombies walking around with rotting flesh falling off their bones, you know, doing, like, like you've always taught, doing errands for, for a rotting corpse and yep. loving it. I know. So that's my testimony just on your teaching tonight. It's, it's, I, I, it's just, it's so meaningful to me. Amen. Well, by the way, folks, in case you don't know what verse of Scripture he's referring to, that's First Corinthians ten thirteen. For there is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. 
that's the scripture. That's First Corinthians ten thirteen. Amen, brother. Amen. Verse six, brother. The Revelation. Revelations two, verse six. But this thou hast, and thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I also hate. Okay, would you stop right there for just a second? Because there, this down through church history, folks, there's some of the quote unquote scholars got different ideas about this. I'm just going to lay it out for you. We're going to see. I'm going to give you the two opinions on it. Okay, the two. One, um, we're going to run across this Nicolaitan doctrine later on in one of the other churches as well. But uh, the early church fathers, Irenaeus said that the Nicolaitans were a sect that was started by the deacon Nicholas in Acts chapter 6. That's what, that's what Irenaeus taught, okay? Clement of Alexandria taught that they were libertines that were known for their, their just fulfilling of their lust all the time. That's what Tertullian one of our church fathers taught. And it was, um, let me see, which one was it? No, Clement of Alexandria and Tertullian both thought that they, they were libertines, but Tertullian said it was Gnostics. It was Gnostics that taught the libertine doctrine of fulfilling the lust, and, and Clement of Alexandria went along with him as far as it being uh, libertines and, and Gnostics. That was supposed to be what they thought the Nicolaitans were, okay? We're going to find out later it's going to be a totally different ball game. More, this word means, if, it, if, it, if you take it at face value, it means Nico, ruler over the laity. It's rulership over the laity. And when it, when it occurs again in another church, that's exactly what it's going to mean, the literal meaning of this word. If you take the word and don't try to fiddle with it or nothing, but just break it down into what it means, it means it's ruler over the laity or clergy over the laity. In other words, like the pope over the flock, okay? Lording over the flock with absolute authority. All right, instead of a spiritual reign or a spiritual oversight of the flock, like Paul said back in Acts 20, talking to the elders that were they had oversight over the flock, this bunch here, later on in the next church where the word's mentioned, it's, t- it's talking about the pastors just browbeating the flock, okay? And that's come over the last 2,000 years, that's happened quite a bit, not only in the, in the Catholic church with the whore, not only, it's happened in, in some of the Protestant churches as well. With clergy over the laity. You see, they, one of the things is when they first stuck the pulpit up higher than the flock, that gives the impression that this guy, it should be a spiritual rulership instead of a literal rulership, okay? That's the way it's supposed to be. That's what it talks about in the book of Hebrews. Okay? But down through the down through the ages, down through the years, some pastors and different called by different names, pastors, popes, elders, whatever you want to call them, uh, bishops, 
have, have absolutely browbeat the flock. But it's a spiritual rulership. If it's New Testament Christianity-wise, real New Testament Christianity, it's a spirit. I'm no different than you are. I've told you this a million times. I'm just a pastor. That's my calling. I'm a sinner saved by grace just like you are. I have the same temptations you have. I get rewarded on the same basis as you do. My motive. Ain't nothing about me special. Ain't nothing about any pastor special. The only thing special is his calling's different than your calling if you're not a pastor teacher. That's the only difference. That's the only speciality to it is there's many callings, okay? But that's what that Nicolaitan means. Clergy over the laity. Now, I'm sure that, like I said, there's been discrepancies in what's been taught about it over through the church to the history of the church. I gave you the three guys that had something to say about it, Irenaeus, Clement of Alexandria and Tertullian. And I told you what they said. But the majority of the scholars, and I hate to even use that word scholars, but the majority of, I'll call them what they really are, Bible students, okay? That's all they are. The majority of the Bible students take it for, to mean exactly in the context of like the Pope over the rest of the church in that superior position. That's the way it, it, it's come. That's the way the final decree has come down on it from the Bible students, okay, over the years. But anyway, having said that, we'll see, we'll see how plain that is when we get later on when it's used again. Verse 7, brother. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him okay, that overcometh... Just a second, brother. He that hath an ear... Individual, see, not only is this not only is this this the Lord talking to the church, that specific church in that period of time. See, I should have mentioned this. I don't know why I didn't, but doctrinally and historically, this the Lord during John. This is sent to this Ephesian church that we went back there and read about in Acts. Okay, because the Book of Acts covers about thirty to fifty years. Okay. It's first century churches. All these seven churches are actual churches. Okay? In Asia Minor, actual churches in the first century. But the application covers all the time of the Gentiles. It covers every bit of, and still covering it if it's not up. Okay? And still has application. Not only does it have application for assemblies over church history all, over all this period of time, it also is written specifically for individuals. And that's the way I've taught this first seven verses, folks. He, not them that has ears, he that hath, an, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. What the Spirit saith unto the churches. The Spirit spoke to the churches, but let the individual hear what he's saying to him. Is that clear, Brother Chad? Yes, absolutely. Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. 
To him that overcometh, while I'm talking, brother, turn to First John chapter 5. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Wow. Man. This brings up a whole different can of worms. But see, a lot of you, a lot of you folks, will be worried about this overcoming. Sounds tough, don't it? Sound like you've got to. I got better get busy doing something, or or I'm or I'm in a world of hurt. So you, let's let the who the who penned this book of Revelation here, the Apostle John did. Well, let's just go to John and see the definition of what he means by overcoming. We'll get this. We'll, we'll uh, this dog. We'll get this dog out of the race immediately if it's if it's causing doubts in some of you downloaders' minds about your salvation and your position in Christ. First John chapter five, verse four and five, brother. Read both those verses, four and five. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. For as he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Read that again. Read that read that, yeah. that part again, brother. For is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Got that, folks? That's the overcomer. The believer. The true believer. The true believer. And it bears out in their life. Didn't say it ought to be wonderful and smooth and everything go right. Didn't say that. It will bear, bear out all the way to the end. He that which hath begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. He'll drag you kicking and screaming if he has to. You don't want to go that way, folks. I can assure you, you don't want to go that way. You don't want to go against the flow. You don't want, or as the Lord told the Apostle Paul, why do you kick against the pricks? (laughs) If the Lord's got his hand on you, folks, and the call of God's in your life and the Spirit of God dwells in you, he's going to get you to where you're supposed to go Come hell or high water, come pain or even death, if he has to kill you. You're going to get it. You're going to get there. Because he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. Period. And that old hindsight will come in handy after you've been in the old battle and all the struggles and it looks like you can't get them take another step and you get knocked down and praise God, you got back up and took another little step after about 30 years. You, My goodness, it's been 30 years. And the Lord's still pulling you along. <laughs> He's still pulling you along. And He ain't going to let you fall. Completely. Might let you bloody your nose. Might kick a few legs out from money. Might break an arm. Might put you in a bed. Might put you in a wheelchair. Might stop your heart, too. He will accomplish that which he sets out to do.
for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. That's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and Titus chapter 3, verse 5. So, the free will part is up to you, is up to you about how sweet life is later on. You have you have the choice. Absolutely, you have that choice. I'd be doing some praying about it, and I'd sure would be putting some some motion, putting some action to those spiritual legs and spiritual arms and hands. If so, be the Spirit of God dwells in you. You will. You definitely will. Continue, brother. Uh, Just read verse 7 again. Read verse 7 again. Okay. So we're going to stop here at verse 7. Sure. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Okay, the tree of life. This brings up another... Contra- it, may, it, it looks like a... Well, I'm not going to say that. What's this tree of life? Where's the last time we saw it? Where is the la- where it played a big role? Genesis 3? All the way back then. And that's the reason the Lord kicked on our mother and daddy out of the garden. Had to keep them away from the tree of life, lest they should eat it and live forever in a fallen condition. They'd be they would they would have been immortal if they would have ate from the tree of life. That's why they had to be they had to be kicked out of the garden, folks. That that's not my opinion, that's what the book says. Well here it talks about he will give them to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So, why in the world would you have to eat of a tree? Let's think about this thing now. I thought you already had eternal life. So what you got to do is eat a tree and eat from some tree in the midst of the paradise of God. See, immediately you, you the allegorizers and the metaphors will say this tree of life is actually Jesus Christ and it's talking about being in him and him in you and blah, 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 blah. If you, any of you that's been with me as many times as I've taught Revelation 20 and 21 22, you know what I teach you about the tree of life. I'm telling you that the application of verse 7, okay, the latter part, Underneath where it says, where the Spirit of God saith unto the churches, semicolon, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now I'll show you what I'm talking about. Turn to Revelation chapter 22, Brother Chad. 
Revelations 22. Okay, I want you to start reading at verse 12. I'm not there, but I'm not better get over there with you. Let me get over there just a second. Let me get there. Okay. Mm. Okay, start at verse 12. It's uh, red letters right there. Go ahead. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Okay. What do you mean, enter into the city? We're the bride. We're already in the city. Who in the world is he talking to? See what I mean, Jelly Bean? Would you have caught it? Would you have thought about it? We don't get our eternal life from eating off of a tree, but these people do. And they also get to, they get to do it because they've done something in their own flesh. Blessed are they that keep his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life. They kept the commandments, therefore they get to eat of the tree of life. And if you don't know the whole Bible, and if you if you don't have a good grip on the scriptures, you don't have a clue what it's caused many, many, many folks to think that this verse don't even belong in the Word of God. Because by if or by I just got through quoting the verse, then not by works of righteousness. They we there's nothing we can do. We're in by Christ's righteousness, not because of something we do. But these folks get in and get to live forever because they've done something. Is there anywhere in the Word of God where people do something and get rewarded with eternal life? Unless you've been through Ezekiel 43:48, you will not understand it. And not not one out of a thousand, not one out of not one out of five thousand. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go bigger. Not one out of ten. If there are ten thousand true Bible Bible believing, born again, real Christians, pastors out there anymore. Not one out of 10,000 will take you back and show you where those commandments are at. And they're in the Ezekiel temple in chapter 40 through 48. Those people have to keep the law of the house. And they get to partake of the tree of life, just like it's going to say right on, and live forever. And the bride is gets in by Christ's righteousness, not by our righteousness. We can't do anything that merit eternal life. That's what the book says, folks. See, when you got two verses that contradict, the book's not wrong. Your understanding's wrong. Therefore, you have to reconcile the verses by the Scripture. You don't tear the Scripture up to make it go along with what you believe. That's been the fallacies in the body of Christ ever since 1880. 
and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. That's why the fruit stinks to high heaven today. That's why the candlelights are going out. You turn that's because that's the very first attack that happened in history was an attack on God's word. And it's the same thing going on today. There's nothing new under the sun, folks. Brother Chad was talking about the importance of understanding, learning the scripture. Listen, you got the big W is Jesus Christ Himself. The little W is His counterpart. That's how close they are together. And if you love one, you'll love the other. See, that's the, that was the key to everything I was saying. You love one, you love the other because they're inseparable. You can't cut, you can't pry them apart with a prying machine. So, how, I, I, how do I know how for folks? I don't, have, I don't judge nobody, folks. I have enough trouble judging my own sin and get them taken care of, okay? But I do know this. You can't find nobody. I've, I've never run across a soul yet that loved the Lord Jesus Christ that didn't love his word. They go hand in hand. You can't separate them. You want to get some of that first? You want to get back to that first place? You want to get back to the first love? Get in that book. Get in that book. Get in, get in the little W, folks. And then the big W will be right behind you'll be you'll be, you'll come to the big W again. Promise. A promise. I've heard over the last 43 years, I've heard testimony after testimony after testimony like I just heard a while ago. And I not I didn't have to hear it from nobody. I know it's true in my own life. Folks, this time I laid the book down. I laid the book down. Been there, done that. I know what it's like to lose the first love. I'm telling you, it's important. Very important. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we've had to spend tonight together, Father. I pray that your spirit would deal with the hearts, Father, that need to be dealt with in a soft way, Lord. You know what it takes. You've got a wrench that will fit every nut, Lord. You know how to approach each one of your sheep individually. You know the personalities. You know exactly what they need, Father. And I pray that you would reach down and be merciful, Father, and give each one exactly what they need in their life, Father, to get them back on the right track, to give them back the first love, if they've lost it, 
and draw them closer to you, Father. And just like it says in in your book, Father, in the book of James, if we draw close to you, you'll draw close to us. And the way to draw close to you is to understand your word. For you said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God shall man live. And thy word we hid in our hearts, Lord, that we might not sin against you. And Father, we can do all the good works, and that's great, and we're being obedient, but you want us to be moderate. You want us to do it even kill. I've always had a trouble with that, Lord. You know my heart. Always been extreme one way or the other. Father, I pray that you'd touch the ones that have the same kind of personality that I've had down through the years, if there be any there. That way, Lord, be merciful like you're merciful to me. I love you, Holy Father. And I thank you so much for that precious shed blood that you shed over 2,000 years ago for my wicked, rotten self. And I know each and every one out there that understands how wicked and vile a sinner that they've been. I I guarantee you, Lord, they understand it as well and they're thankful as well. Because you had to turn your back on your son, Father. You couldn't look upon sin. You had to turn your back on your only your only begotten son so that this wretched soul, Don Spears, could have eternal life and you could redeem me as my kinsman redeemer and buy me back. And I thank you for that. And I pray each and every one on the sound of my voice would take some special time and thank you for the same thing. Father, I pray that you'd go with um, each one under the sound of my voice. Be with them tonight. Bless them, Father. Give them wonderful dreams. Father, nudge them. Point them in the right direction. put Put a wind behind them, Father. Not a headwind to hold them back, which you don't do, but may the Holy Spirit be a wind behind them to give them a little extra perk in their step spiritually, Father. And I'll give you all the honor and praise for everything you do. For it's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray these things, and for his sake alone. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, um, we'll go ahead and close for tonight. Unless, Brother Chad, you want to add anything before we go ahead and close, Brother? No, nothing nothing for me, Pastor Don. Okay, Brother. All right, Brother Kevin, is there any questions or any comments in the uh, chat room? No, sir. Okay. All right, folks, um, if there's no questions or any comments or anything like that, we'll go ahead and close for tonight. And Lord willing and health permitting, I will see you guys back Sunday night, and we'll pick up with Daniel where we left off the other night. I forgot, I think, Chapter 3. But anyway, love you guys. Uh, Keep me in your prayers as I pray for you. And Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday night.
Love you, Brother Chad. Love you, Pastor Don. Good night, Kevin. Good night to each and every one of you. Brother Kevin, I'll talk to you Sunday. God bless. Reach us through.